I wrote this down. One of the things that lockdown does to us is to separate us from each other, right? I've noticed that Connect Group, that when we get back together, we do an awful lot of talking. Anybody else notice that? <laughs> and I've noticed that being separate often means we disconnect from God a bit. And, and Lyndon and I were just talking about that, and I think you need to say a couple of words about that too. Of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good to see you here without masks on today. And I think that's one of the barriers that we had last week. Because I'm not coming to church if I've got to wear a mask. Hey, Mariel. Yeah, but you came. You came, which is good. And it's, it's like, you know, there's something in us that's like we don't want to be told what to do. But, and so we don't come. But now we don't have to wear masks here. So that should make a bit of a difference. You can come. We can actually get together. We can talk without the restrictions of masks. But the, the other thing is that, you know, the atmosphere changes too. Because, you know... Uh, it's easier to stay at home. Yeah, where's, where's my man? It's easier to stay at home and not connect uh, with each other and just just watch online and that. But what happens? It actually robs what's happening here in relationships. And uh, as as Warren just said, you know, when we, we get together in our connect groups, it's you know good old catch up time, and yet we're not having that on a Sunday morning so much. So the other thing too is that we're having the kids off site to free up space for more people to come here. So that causes another little bit of a dilemma because, you know, we're separating our kids um, at uh, Kendall and Josh's place and us and here. But we're just noticing that there's, there's just a little bit of a disconnect and that the reality is that we could be in this here until Delta is, until everybody's vaccinated or Delta is under control or the next variant comes along. We, we may not get out of level two for a long time. And so this is our new normal. So what I'm actually saying in all this is that in order to stay connected, you have to put yourself in a place of connection. And so Sunday mornings is a place of connection. And we can do it with, with relative freedom now, like we are right now. And so just to you know, encourage those that you connect groups, those that you, you're catching up with, encourage them, hey, there's tons of space on Sunday, come along. It's not as restrictive as you think. And it's actually, it's important for you to stay connected in this time because church is looking different. Um, it's looking different than we've ever seen it before. And we just don't know the timeframes that are involved. Bless you, bro. <laughs> You know, last week, Dre talked to us about making room. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. The only thing I didn't like was when he threw the beanbag out of the room. <laughs> because, you see, I like being comfortable. And uh, I was thinking about this, but we do need to make room for God. That we started... I'd just like us to think today, and I want to do a teaching sermon about our relationship with God, because I think we need to reinforce that relationship that we have with God, and we need to understand that God is our Father, and God does all sorts of things for us. So really, the sermon is called Father, and that's why we had that picture there, growing to be like God. Growing to be like God is something that we as Christians are doing. And no matter where you are, no matter what part of the world, no matter whether you are Greek Orthodox and you wear robes and you wander around and you have incense, or whether you're like us or whether you're like somebody in a hidden church in a Muslim country, doesn't matter where you are, the aim is for all of us to grow to be like God. 
And I think that's a critical thing. And one of the things that science does, it tells us something that we've known for a long, long time. Even the Greeks knew this, that give us a child until they're seven. And the Roman Catholics said it too, we'll have them for life. Now science tells us in the first thousand days of our life that we learn most things and we learn it not with words but by watching our mum and dad. As little children we don't have filters. That's why little children get so angry, that's why they scream, that's why they get so happy because they've got no filter and they receive everything. Can you imagine what it's like if mum is somebody who today is loving and tomorrow is angry? What that does to a little child. Can you imagine what it's like if dad goes on drugs and he tears the place up and the next day he's okay. And there are hundreds, no thousands of people who have been broken in our society by mum and dad not realising it's what they do, not what they say, that makes their children like them. Because it truly is just like daddy do. I want to be just like you, daddy. And we've done it to our children. And I see myself in my children. It's a huge responsibility. And the truth is, no matter how good a parent you are, your kids are going to learn some stuff that they didn't need to learn. The sad thing is, as two Christian new entrant teachers said to me once, she said, they said, we can tell the children who are going to be criminals at five years old. And we can tell the ones that are going to do well at five years old because it appears to be almost set in stone. What you learn in that early part of your life is your foundation of everything you do. Now, that's the reason why a lot of our modern thinking goes on about the way we bring up children, the way we do all this gender identity. It's all based on a hopelessness that everybody's got a choice that they can make. And once they've made the choice, they can make the choice. Of course they have. But, and there's a huge but, and it goes like this. God says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. There is an opportunity in Christianity that is worldwide where God by his presence can actually reprogram the lives of people who have gone wrong. There is no other program in the world, right? I'll say that again. There is no other program in the world that can change people like Christ. The atheist 
Richard Dawkins, when he went through Africa, said this of the the corruption. He said, what they need is a dose of evangelical Christianity. He was an atheist and he understood that there is no program. And today I want to talk about that program and I want to talk about the process by which we can reprogram our lives. And I am still doing it as a 78-year-old. And so this is something that's deep on my heart and it goes right with what Dre said last week about making room for Jesus. There are two things that are required. And the first thing is becoming a Christian. Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. The whole idea of being born again is not simply to have an experience of God, and that's very important, don't get me wrong, (laughs) but it is to have the opportunity to grow again as a Christian and set right the things in the way we operate that were wrong and are wrong in our lives. It is behavior transformation through the presence of God. Interesting, I was, had already prepared this sermon and I read a thing in Facebook about the Archbishop of Canterbury and he said, the head of the Anglican Church, he said this, he said, people all over the world are being transformed by the presence of God. It's not a psychological program that will change you. It is the presence of God. That's why being born again is important. You have to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. You have to do that not once. You've got to do it every day. This morning at six o'clock, I said to the Lord, good morning, Jesus. I make a habit of doing it. Why? Because I want to usher God's presence into my life. Because without God's presence in my life, I am no good. I might be clever, I might do all those things, but I'm not going to achieve anything of value without the presence of God in my life. We decide to follow Jesus. These are the two things. We decide to follow Jesus. That's, we call that repentance, right? And we have to do it all the time. It's That's what the meaning of the word baptism is. Baptism is not simply to get dipped in the water, it's to be immersed, immersed in repentance. All your whole life changing your mind to follow Jesus. It's a decision to be made every day. And you see, this is where it comes with this whole thing of lockdown. I have to do that. I don't have somebody up the front to encourage me. But every day I have to say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to do, I want to copy you. I want to be that little child who says, just like daddy do, I want to follow you. And the other one is we receive Christ. And so every day I say, Lord Jesus, come. Good morning, Jesus. Come and be with me. It's not that I'm good 
It's nothing like that at all. It's that I need God's presence if I'm going to lead a decent life today. Let's not worry about yesterday and let's not worry about tomorrow. But it's absolutely important that I do that. And this is what we call a second chance. This is the opportunity to grow up in God's presence, to learn to become like God in our character. It's something that happens every day. And I'm going to talk about the things that help it happen every day. But believe me, there are red letter moments in everybody's life. How many times have I been with somebody and prayed with them? And then so many years later, remember when you said that? No, I don't. <laughs> but they remembered because it wasn't me that spoke to them. It was God. And we need to treasure those moments when God speaks to us. They're the things that we will remember. The things that pivot and change us. And God becomes our Father who brings us to Christ. Jesus said these words, what are, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. And so God teaches us and guides us. You go through some hard time, have you asked God, what are you doing with me? What do you want to teach me? Or do you swear at God and say, I hate you, God? Because some people do. Do you say, God, what are you teaching me? Is there something new for me to learn today? Is there something, something that I can do? Something that will make me a better person? Because it's a real, real um, it's definitive, the attitude that we have. How can it happen? How can growing up happen? And, and at this stage, I've got some things that I want to talk about. And there are various things in the Bible that tell us how we can grow up. And I've used something from the Old Testament, the tabernacle. Now, if there was a, this was a Bible study... I would take an hour and a half to do this. It's not a Bible study. I'm going to take 10 minutes, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, and if I did a Bible study, I would show you exactly why each part of the Old Testament does in each part of the tabernacle, which is the tabernacle, by the way, is where God lives, right? We are in the New Testament. We're told that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where God lives. We are the temple. So when we learn about the tabernacle, we learn about the things that our Heavenly Father will teach us and use to show us how to be like Him. And that's, that's why this is important. So we'll go on to the next bit now. Attitude. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven means the kingship. Basiliah, that word in the Greek, means kingship rather than just kingdom, okay? A kingdom is a defined area, but the kingship is who is the boss. So God is the boss. Heaven is the boss. Why little children? I said before that little children have no filter. 
Somebody once said that little children are in a hypnotic state where their subconscious mind is open. So everything they see and experience, they take in. Whereas as we get older, we put a filter on and we say, I don't agree with that, and we chuck it out. But little children are not like that. And here, Jesus is saying, I want you to throw away the filter when I talk to you. When God speaks to you, I want you to throw away the filter. I want you to be so open to me that my words really go right into your heart. It's not being stupid, by the way. It's not being unintelligent. It's being open to God. Some of the times that we're, we lose our filters, though, sometimes they call that ego defenses, when we fall in love, you know? Remember? Anybody remember that long time ago? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we drop our ego defenses, we drop our filters. When we receive Christ, when we're little children, when something speaks deeply to our heart, we drop our filters and we let it do a work in our lives. And so attitude is important. But next, we want to talk about the details. Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the Lord's spirit is, there is freedom. And all of us reflect the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces. We are becoming more like him with ever-increasing glory by the Lord's spirit. When you go to the tabernacle, there are 15 steps, or, or for the temple it was, there were 15 steps. And there was a psalm for every step. And they were called the Psalms of Ascent. And so they have the ones, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Or meet the Lord in joyful assembly. We prepare ourselves for God by worship. Do you know, I love the worship times here because I can forget all the mind and the intellect and I can just listen to God and tell God how I love him. And something happens. I drop all that, that stuff right in the head and I let God speak. Thank you, Hannah and team. We become open to the Holy Spirit when we worship. Worship will change your life more than a psychotherapist. Do you understand that? Worship is more important than understanding because God is the God who loves you. Why did I put fellowship there? Fellowship comes in another place too or right through. 
When we worship together, we carry each other along. We need to gather together. We need to worship together. We need to know that I am not alone. Now, it's wonderful. And many of you do this. You turn the radio on or, the, uh, or your, your playlist on to worship songs. And as you do that, you feel lifted up in the Lord. But there's nothing quite like worshiping together. And it is part of God's work to transform us. And so worship is the first thing that will transform you. Do not neglect to gather together. The second thing is asking God's forgiveness. Now this is not to be worried about my sins. But this is to be held accountable to God. If I'm held accountable to God, then what I do today is important. And if I make a mistake, it is important for me to turn to God and say, Lord, I messed up. I ask your forgiveness. But if we confess our sins, he will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from our wrongdoing. And so it is that that's something I try to do often. And I do it on the spot. I think, oh Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Anybody else feel like that? (laughs) And I say, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I don't say, Warren Hodge, you're a chump. I say, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Because I want to be held accountable to my Heavenly Father. Because I want to please my Heavenly Father. And so I, I confess my sins to God. And I accept his forgiveness straight away. What that does is this, is it changes the way we see everything. I am accountable to God, so there is no place in my life to hide anymore. I can't hide from God. And you know something? It's a good and comforting thing to have because I know that my relationship with God is kept honest. Let God's word shine in our lives. For those of you who wonder why this is the tabernacle, there is the menorah with all the candlesticks and it shines light. And in the, in the Old Testament it says, your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. But there's another one in the New Testament that goes like this. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord cleanses us from every sin. Right? And so it is when we begin to read God's word and to ask God the Holy Spirit to speak. I want to make absolutely certain about this. When I read the Bible, I read the Bible asking God to speak to me. I don't read it as a theological textbook. 
I do read it as a theological text, but don't get me wrong. But primarily, I read the Bible so that God can speak to me. Because I need to hear from God. And when we talk with our friends and have fellowship, we talk about our mutual faith in Jesus. That's why connect groups are so important, by the way. I'll tell you something. Last Monday, Dave and I were in the car together. Dave's 82. Right? We're talking about death. Oh, well, he said, I thank the Lord before I go to bed. Well, Lord, if I wake up here in the morning, that's wonderful. But if I don't, I'll be with you. So that's all right. It's good. And we both thought that was great. Who cares? We're in God's hands. We have friends that we can talk about what's really important. And then the word of God shines a light on our discussions. And we begin, we can see from each other and we can help each other to change. Asking God for our needs. This is very important in learning how to change to be like God. You might say, why is that? It is God who clothes the wild grass that's here today and gone tomorrow and burnt up in the oven. Won't he all the more be sure to clothe you? What little faith you have. So do not, so do not start worrying, where will my food come from or my drink or my clothes? You see, God's provision takes us away from materialism, from being dependent on money, and teaches us to trust him. He'll provide the rest, because remember, just after that, there's another verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. So that God's promises to look after us. And when we begin to learn to grow and trust God for what we have, that God will actually look after us, whether it's money, whether it's friends, whether it's health, whatever it is that God will actually take us on this journey and we're in God's hands, then we begin to be a different kind of person. Praying for others. First of all, I urge that petitions, prayers, requests, and thanksgiving be offered to God for all people. When I pray for other people, I learn to forget about the importance of me. I understand that other people are important too. If I don't pray for other people and bring them to God, I'm saying I'm more important than they are. But if I pray for them, God changes the way I see his world. It transforms my attitude to you. To be more like the way that God sees you. So I need to pray. I need to pray for you. I need to pray for others. God can do for them quite well without me, I am sure. 
But when I pray, God changes me. And that's so important. And the last one is to remember that Jesus died for you. And I've taken this bit from Romans 4. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. When Jesus died, he did something that no amount of trying can do. Here's a little testimony. I remember looking at Romans 6 and Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. I live no longer, but Christ lives in me. Do you know I tried to do that? Have you ever tried to do that? I've tried to do it. And I became so despondent Because I did not understand at that stage of my life that I could not be holy. But God could make me holy. God does not expect us to be holy by ourselves. It is impossible I know I've tried and failed. He wants us to get close to him and copy him. If you take nothing else away from this morning, this one bit, God does not expect you to be holy by yourself because it is impossible but he wants you to get close to him and he will make you holy. As I said, this is a teaching sermon. <laughs> and I hope that I have shed some light on the meaning of the gospel for this. But I would like us to pray. Holy Spirit, Speak to our hearts. Give us memories for the parts of the scripture which you have shown us today so that we will remember them and they will become part of our lives. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your presence so that we can become more like you as children and that your power will be in us every day each waking moment and even as we sleep that we will know you as the father who is guiding us to full stature in Jesus. Amen.